get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, breaking down District 4 athletics week in, week out in the state of Idaho. Brandon Bainey joined today by the grand host, the grand host, Scott Burton. What's going on there, Brendon? What's up? Oh, not much, man. Just uh, getting ready to host another event tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. See that, uh, hence the name. You know, I was looking at my calendar and I was, this month has been absolutely insane. I was looking at my calendar and tonight will be the 19th basketball game that I've hosted in my gym this month. Wow. Not to mention, uh, you know, wrestling and what else is going on? <laughs> I just been so consumed with basketball that, yeah, this is about the night. I think the 19th game this month. So, so Jerome, obviously you're hosting your own competitions when Jerome high school is involved, but in addition to that, uh, you have taken on the responsibilities of hosting the one, a D one, uh, district four girls and boys district tournaments, most of the action. Let me, let me ask you, I wasn't, I wasn't planning on diving into this topic, but it's, I think it's a good one for our audience to know. Uh-huh. What is, what is the incentive? What does Jerome high school get out of the deal with this? Obviously the, the schools get a neutral site to play at, but you as the athletic director at Jerome, what is the incentive to host these tournaments? Well, and that's a good question. You know, I think, uh, you know, for us, we, we're going to, you know, charge a little bit of rent um, so we can, you know, take care of expenses. But it really, it's, it's more about us providing uh, a really cool atmosphere for these 1A schools. Um, they have loved it. I've loved it. You know, and, and the thing is, I'm more of a, I'm kind of a control freak. And so when these games are happening uh, in my gym, I, I am there. I am on the mic. I'm doing all their PA. Um, I am organizing lineups and doing, I am, I should not even be in the building. I should just give them the keys and then go enjoy my evening. But I, I can't sit back and do that. So um, I'm diving in, like I said, jumping on the PA, doing starting lineups, playing music because they don't bring bands, you know, so creating an atmosphere for them. And I get more kind of enjoyment out of doing that and helping them out and providing that for them than any monetary stuff that they could give us. And, you know, plus on top of that, you know, the coaches in these one, a schools, I mean, I consider my friends and um, I know several of them very well. And when they need help, you bet, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in and do what I can to help them out. Um, But the thing about Jerome, uh, aside from having like a really cool gymnasium is that when you come to Jerome in a regular season game, the atmosphere at Jerome is, is so phenomenal. Uh, I mean, we'll trot out, you know, 75 cheerleaders. The band is rocking. Um, student bodies all dressed up in whatever theme night it is. And, you know, fans on their feet to the fights. I mean, it is just a different atmosphere, you know. And as much as I want to trot out, you know, trot out all our cheer and band and everything, I can't. So I just, I spin records. And the cool thing about it is that, the speakers that we have in our gymnasium, for some reason, they don't play rap music. <laughs> and it's funny because I, I'm, I'm playing like old rock and roll, right? I'm playing some 80s music, um, obviously playing the stadium hits and stuff like that. But man, uh, I'm playing some good old classic rock and roll, some 80s. And I cannot tell you how many people after the game come to me and say, Wow, great choice on the music. Man, the music rock. They, nobody says anything about the game. They're talking about the music. And uh, I did that one time at a um, yeah, volleyball tournament we had, and one of the opposing coaches begged me for the playlist. <laughs> and so I emailed the playlist. So it's been kind of a thing at Jerome when I'm running the show and there's no band that I'm DJing as well. And uh, the music choice Kids these days may not like it, but you know what? They're not running the show. The grand host is. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's fans that are telling you nice choice, not players. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, yeah. and I don't trust the kids to to play anything. 
I mean, you heard some of the crap that they listen to today. It's ridiculous. You know, um, I'm just, I, I let once in a while, I'll let them plug their phone in and I'm, I am like listening and I'm, I've, I've got my phone and I'm searching the lyrics as the song's going, trying to get ahead of it. I'm like, and that's too much stress for me. So I just unplug it and put on a little bit of rock and roll and life is good again. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, I know all of the the schools uh, at the 1A level appreciate Jerome stepping up and helping out. And you're right. It really is just building that goodwill uh, throughout the Magic Valley. You know, one of your fellow 4A schools, and I won't say which one, uh, over here in East Idaho, um, used to help out some of the 1A schools with volleyball and basketball districts. And then this year with volleyball, uh, new AD came in. And from what, from what I heard, kind of just pulled the rug out from under it and left these 1A schools in the lurch where like two weeks before their districts, they're all of a sudden having to scramble and figure out what are we going to do? And that's, you know, tough to yeah. see, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, that's not, that's not good. And plus you get an opportunity to show off your, your facilities and stuff like that. Now, granted, it doesn't come with a set of problems too, because, you know, there's been many of these nights that we don't have a custodial staff on. And so, you know, I'm down there mopping the floors, polishing the floors. And then afterwards, me and um, Ann, my secretary, we're out sweeping bleachers, mopping bleachers, cleaning bathrooms, changing toilet paper. I mean, we've been doing that all month long. Um, and so, I mean, those are the things that are behind the scenes when we run an event here that, that people don't see. And we don't make a big deal out of it because it's, it's not about, you know, that. Um, but it's about us making sure that even if we are the kind of the, the dirty hands, so to speak, and we're the ones doing it, that they have a great experience. So, yeah, you bet. I've got my janitor keys and on my little zoom like this off my belt. And, and, uh, and I'm changing, taking out trash and I'm mopping floors and, and whatever. I remember uh, last week they, um, I was on the mic and somebody right behind me spilled a drink. And so at a timeout, put the mic down, ran to the janitor closet, pulled out the mop and I'm mopping. I've got the mic in one hand. I got the mop in the other and, uh, made it work. And <laughs> it, it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's funny for sure. You know, my, my high school basketball coach had the, the janitor's keys as well. He had one of those huge key rings that had like, there had to have been 300 keys on there. I have no idea what they were all too, but. And I guarantee yeah. he didn't either. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, pretty much. So uh, let's talk about girls state basketball was last week. And yeah. the, the big story came at the 1A D1 tournament, which is appropriate because I feel like we've been talking about this league every single week on this show. Now, coming into state, most fans would tell you, oh, yeah, it's going to be two district rivals meeting up in the championship and, you know, for the fifth time this year. But everybody thought it was going to be Lapway and Prairie from the north. Neither one of those teams got there. Raft River knocked out Prairie in one semifinal. Oakley did what many people thought was unthinkable, to be honest. And they yeah. knocked off this Lapway juggernaut in an all-time defensive effort in the semifinal. So, hey, what do you know? Oakley and Raft River for a championship, this time in girls' hoops, though. Oh, wow. Haven't heard that song before. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, man, what an accomplishment by both of those, both of those schools to really kind of flex their 1A D1 muscle too. I mean, and the thing about it was, I mean, I, I visited a little bit with the coach Bart Dieters uh, this week about that and just kind of how it all played out. And, you know, when they knocked off Prairie, they beat Prairie first, right? So they're, you know, pretty excited. And I mean, like you said, everybody's thinking it's Lapway. Um, and who are they playing? Probably Prairie. Well, Prairie's gone. Huh? Okay, well, I guess Raft River, let's give Prairie our, or let's give uh, Lapway our best shot now. You know, then all of a sudden, Oakley knocks off Lapway. And all of a sudden, Raft River is going, oh my goodness, we might be able to win state, <laughs> you know, because this was a team they'd beaten already. And so that got, they got the buzz going in Raft River a little bit. Um, they didn't have to game plan, they didn't have to really watch much film. Um, they just had to do what they had done a couple of times already. Now, Oakley in the regular season had, had beaten Raft River twice. You know, Raft River beat them 48-27 the opener or the first time, and then Oakley got them 41-34, and then Oakley got them 31-26. Um, and then Raft River, 
even the series at two and two, but won the game that mattered most. So congratulations to Rap River and, you know, hats off to Oakley as well. Um, you know, Matt Payton does a great job with those Oakley girls. And, uh, to, you know, even though they, they're taking home the a color of a trophy they didn't want, nobody thought they were even going to get there. Um, but they knocked off Lapway and got to the championship game. So great representation by District 4. And the same thing happened last year at State, Scott, where Oakley had had beaten Raft River in the regular season. Oakley had won the district title over Raft River, and then they got slotted against each other in the first round at State. And it was that 4-5 matchup at State, and Raft River won the game that counted at State and got to the semifinals. So it's just funny how, how it's paralleled, and they did it again, except this time in the championship. So. Yeah, it is. And when you have two of the best programs in the state, you know, it, you're going to see each other. It's just foregone conclusion. And I'm just glad a District 4 team brought home brought home the title. Very, for very sure. cool. For sure. Uh, Caroline Schumann, the great center for Raft River, was named the MVP of the 1A D1 tournament by the IdahoSports.com broadcasters. Uh, Ryan Udy from Raft River was named sixth man of the tournament. Um, and there were several other Raft River and Oakley selections. You can view the full team at our website, idahosports.com. It's right there on the homepage. The other big story that came from girls state basketball last week came at the 4A tournament. Scott, this is where uh, I was broadcasting at and, and Minico gets there and, and tw you know, twin falls was there as well. And I'll tell you what twin falls, they went to and out, but man, they never gave up in either of their games. They got down big against Shelly in the first round. Um, but they never quit, and they kept fighting, and that served them well on their Friday game where they they hung tough with Pocatello for really three quarters and then just kind of ran out of steam in the fourth quarter. But I was very impressed with Twin Falls not having any players of any significant size. Their tallest player uh, is 5'10". Oh, and yeah. For them to battle the way they did, even though they went to and out, I thought was very impressive. It is, you know, and what you see when you get to these state tournaments, especially um, in the upper divisions, four and five, I mean, and you see it in the younger one, in the younger ones too, is that the teams that are winning, they've got a superstar, you know, they have got just an all American player or two, and they are undeniably the best people on the floor. You know, twin doesn't have that. You know, they just got a bunch of girls that scrap and get after it. And, you know, they've, they've got their better players on their team, but, but no superstars. So they came in with sort of like a team mentality type of thing. And, um, you know, I mean, two and out, but fought and represented well as an eight seed. We knew that whoever came out of that twin Jerome game was going to be an eight seed and was going to have an uphill battle, but showing a little bit of moxie, a little bit of fight was impressive. Yeah, and it's easy to forget, too. Twin Falls lost the two players they were relying most on to play the post for them this year, one yeah. at the very end of volleyball season, and then Sydney Jund, like second game of the year. Both both blew out their knees, both done. And so, yeah, Twin Falls competed very well. Minico came to state, and they, right away, they got the team that would be the eventual champs, Sandpoint, in the, in the six versus three matchup. Minico got down big. In the third quarter, Sandpoint had a 17-point lead, but Minico never quit, and they actually cut it to three with 7.2 seconds left and the ball. So Minico had the ball with a chance to tie the game against the eventual state champs. Now they turned yeah. it over. They turned it over at half court. Sandpoint made two free throws and one by five. Um, but for me, that really showed that. One or two plays go another way. Maybe it's Minico that's winning the state championship. Who knows, right? I, I, right. I mean, you know, I don't think a lot of people gave District Four that much props coming in, you know. But, uh, and that Sandpoint team is funny because, you know, that Sandpoint team got by Minico in that opening round. And then Sandpoint really looked awful against Columbia before taking down Shelly. And so I, I never did figure out that Sandpoint team. And, uh, but Minico, man, and, and you know what that does? It, it does speak volumes to the person that we're going to talk about. Um, because when you've got a superstar, and that's why I kind of led in with that twin thing, when you have a superstar, and like Burley had with Amari Whiting last year, and they won state, you know, like you see at, um, like the Cannon girl from Shelly. Um, like, oh my gosh, the multiple ones we saw at the 5A level, 
Um, I mean, they make everybody better. And this is what CJ Lada does for Minico. And so many times when she dumps in 25, it, it's such a quiet 25, you know, because it's looking like she's distributing the ball. Her teammates are involved. She's doing other things than, than scoring. And next thing you know, you blink and she's got 25. I'm like, wow, that was fast. But that's what natural scorers do. And nice segue into the accomplishment that she she made. Yeah, so that first game, C.J. Lotta drops in 32 points for Minico. They, they barely lose. Then the next day, they're having to play Blackfoot, the two-seed, in a loser-out game. No, no rest for the weary. Here you are playing yeah. Blackfoot, the two-seed. Um, Minico wins that game to stay alive. C.J. Lotta pours in 38 points in that game, and that's when my broadcast partner, Sean Cannon, and I kind of looked yeah. at each other and went, what was that record again? <laughs> that, that record for most points in a single tournament? Because now the Minico's got this third game. Um, you know, really good chance to set the new record. And we figured out going into that third game against Pocatello on the last day Saturday, CJ Lada only only needed 17 points to to set the new record, which by the way, and, and of course she accomplished it. This record, Scott, has now been broken three times in the last three years by yeah. a Magic Valley player. Amari Whiting of Burley came along three uh -huh. years ago and did it. Then Amari broke all of her own records last year. Mm -hmm. And then this year, it's CJ Lotta. Yeah, that's very cool. And when you think about that, it's, you know, you talk about those superstar players and yeah, last three years, right out of the Magic Valley. And, you know, CJ had a chance to visit with her a little bit this week. And, you know, and plus I, I know her family well and, and, they're rivals of ours because of Minico and Jerome or whatever. And, and her dad, Steve's a, a basketball official as well as also a volley, their head volleyball coach and one of their basketball. Anyway, so everybody knows everybody. And um, you, you look at, you look at CJ and it's, it's, I just find it so funny because she just doesn't look like an imposing basketball player. You know, she plays with her glasses and you don't think much of it. And then she gets out there and absolutely dominates. And she does it in a, in a way that isn't flashy or showy or, you know, self-promoting or any of that stuff. And that's why a lot of times it's really quiet because she just scores and then that's it, right? There's no massive celebration. There's no nothing. And so one of the things that you learn about CJ along the way over the years is that, you know, she, all, great player, obviously, but she's really humble. You know, she's, not one to, like I said, to self-promote and, you know, asked her a little bit this week about, well, gosh, what were you thinking about the record? I mean, at what point did it kind of become something to you? And, and it was after that second game when somebody said something to her, it wasn't that she sought out a record or even knew what it was. Um, but somebody, some people came up to her and said, Hey, listen, here <laughs> you know you've just now beaten black but you're going to play three games you score x amount of points it's going to be whatever you know and so uh, kind of the the weird thing was going into it you know she wasn't too concerned about it you know if things broke their way then she got it great if not but you know she said that her concern was really trying to win that game for the seniors that were on the team and carly's just a a junior you know, so she was really trying to play for those seniors and, and she, I, I don't think she was at the record yet when the, and you were there. So correct me if I'm wrong, when the game really kind of became decided, you know, she hadn't had, it, she wasn't on the record yet. Is that correct? And then all yeah. of a sudden became in the crosshairs and they said, let's go get it. Yes. That was my understanding. So I was, I had to split away to cover other loser out games that day but yes that is what my understanding was it was not till late right and then she kind of went into you know her uh, overdrive and and got it and so she finishes with 95 total points at the tournament new record um, and also averaged you know 31 32 points per game which was also a new state tournament record so yeah. pretty impressive oh my word i mean just an absolute scoring machine she's She's tall enough to where she can get it done in the paint. She can shoot the three. And she's just really one of those tough matchups to guard. You know, I mean, people have tried 
a hundred different ways to to stop her, you know, whether it's denying her the basketball, which doesn't work because she's too athletic and gets the ball. Um, people have tried to double team her and just take her completely out of the game. That's probably the best solution. But then again, I mean, you're giving something up along the way. She's just that good. There are players that you shut down and there's players that you can't shut down. And she's one that you can't because everybody coming in, whether it was Sandpoint or Blackfoot or Pocatello, they knew who they had to stop and they didn't do it. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. So a couple of anecdotes uh, about CJ from my perspective. So the very first basketball game I ever did for IdahoSports.com, Scott, was during CJ's freshman year at Minico. Mm-hmm. They were playing at Idaho Falls. This is when Idaho Falls was a 4A school. It was the fourth game of the season, fourth game of CJ's career. And she's starting as a freshman. Um, so obviously, Minico goes over there. They lose by like nine, I think. But I, I mean, from that first time I saw her play, mm-hmm. the way she handled the ball, as the point guard, I was like, freshmen don't do this. Freshmen don't have dribble moves like this. Like she's only going to get better and she's going to yeah. be a big time prospect um, if she continues to develop. And yeah, you know what? And, and you, and you've made a good point. And that's what a lot of these kids don't, don't understand is that you want to score, then you better do more than shoot the basketball. You better be able to dribble the basketball. If you can't handle the ball, then you're not going to score. And a lot of these kids are out there just thinking, well, I'm just going to camp at the three or I'm just going to work on my shot. Fine. Then you become so easy to game plan for. We'll take you out of the game in a heartbeat. But if you can handle the basketball, then all of a sudden you are a whole different kind of weapon. And, and that's what these players do. And so you look at those superstars that we keep talking about, whether it's Amari Whiting, whether it's CJ Lada, or, you know, some of the others that we mentioned uh, that, that I saw at the five A's, every single one of them can handle the basketball. They, they can shoot it, don't get me wrong, but they can handle the basketball. That is the one thing that those kids need to learn how to do before anything else. Yeah, uh, and every Minico boys game that I was at this year, Scott, who's in the front row of the student section, CJ and her teammates, which mm-hmm. I love to see. Um, and they'll probably be at state cheering on the Minico boys as well. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, and then, yeah, the glasses, right? You watch her and she wears those glasses all the time, yeah. whether she's in class, on the court. She keeps them tucked in with the big headband and talking to Coach Anna Bateman from Minico. She goes, I have tried to get her to ditch those things because there's been games where they get bent and they get broken and she's got to come out and we just put tape on it and we send her back in. And Yeah, yeah and you'd have to think that your peripheral vision sometimes yeah. suffers and you sweat. Next thing you got to thing of sweat coming down and i mean i'm just that's one of the things that impresses me most about her is not not yeah shooting ball is how in the heck do you manage to play in those things and be as good as you are it's just it's crazy to me yeah so uh there were a couple of different big sky schools that are interested uh northern arizona idaho a couple others and they came to minico to watch her play this year Mm -hmm. and i asked coach bateman about that too i said where do you fall on that? Cause some coaches like it and some coaches go, Oh man, that's a big distraction. And I don't need this around my team. And Anna said that she loves it because every player gets fired up and says, all right, let's go put on a show for yeah. these college recruiters. And so she leans yeah. into it and embraces it. Good. Yeah. You know, and that's the other question I asked uh, CJ too, is like, where do you see yourself going? Do you have any idea? And again, she's only a junior, um, but she has no clue yet. Yeah. So, she is still being courted and recruited, so we'll, we'll see what happens next year. Well, I'll tell you, if uh, Amber Whiting at BYU uh, was smart, she, she's already she's yeah. already got Scott. She's she's already signed Brindley Cannon from Shelley, who's mm-hmm. a junior, and Cambry Barber from Rigby, who's a junior. They both yep. committed to BYU. So, you know, Amber's just kind of quietly getting Idaho's best players to come to BYU. So Yeah, well, and uh-huh. CJ would be – imagine the backcourt of Whiting and – and CJ and well, I mean, Cannon can be a part of that too. And, and Barbara, all, you know, the funny thing is all four of those people you just mentioned, they're the team's best players that they were on and they can all handle the basketball. So yeah. you don't recruit just the pure shooter. I'm telling you. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, For but sure. that would be, that would be fun to see her uh, at the next level. Yeah. Pretty epic. So great tournament for CJ Lotta. Congrats to her and, and Minico 
as well for winning that yeah. Constellation Trophy and bringing that back. Um, Minico uh, also in the headlines this week. Scott, uh, state wrestling, of course, gets underway. Uh, it's over in Boise this year, and Minico, the heavy favorite to win the 4A championship. You know, talking on our Matt Chat prep cast, mm-hmm. our Idaho, uh, our wrestling only podcast, basically the thought was Minico's got such depth and such numbers that maybe the only team that has an outside shot is Bishop Kelly because Bishop Kelly's got they're really top heavy. They've got really good, you know, a good six or seven, but they don't have the numbers. And, but they, but BK would need to be perfect almost to knock out Minico. Oh, no question about it. BK is returning uh, a, a ton of, of people. And, you know, Minico is, they qualified 24. They've got 10 returning state placers, you know, and you just don't get that, you know, and, and it is their depth. I mean, you look at the top teams in, in 4A at the state wrestling tournament. I and mean, a lot of times it's, it's the same, same teams, you know, you get, you know, the, the Minicos, the Caldwells, uh, Bishop Kelly's kind of getting in there. The, you know, drums in there once in a while has been in there lately, um, Blackfoot, whatever, but with Minico's 24 qualifiers, you know, and you're looking at a lot of those teams I just mentioned, the next most is 15. I mean, they've got nine more qualifiers than really, well, Bishop Kelly's got 15 you know, with four returning state placers. And if they're going to challenge with 15 and four, they're going to have to beat Minico with 24 and 10. Yeah. And good luck. So, yeah. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Minico is the heavy favorite. Yep. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Buell uh, expected to do well at the 3A Declo at the 2A 1A as well from the Magic Valley. All right. Let's talk boys basketball where the story of the night, and again, we will, if you're, if you're watching this on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel, uh, you will see these brackets up on the screen. I'll share my screen and, and put the brackets up. Make your screen full size. It's a little easier to see. If you're listening at idahosports.com or wherever you download your podcasts, no worries. You can follow along. We've got the district brackets on the homepage at idahosports.com as well. Well, the Great Basin Conference, Minico is your district champion, Scott. They, uh, they beat Twin Falls last night. Um, in a kind of a low scoring game by six, I believe six or seven and talking to Brady Trankle, the Minico coach, he said, our team cannot win at home for whatever reason. They really did struggle at, at home this year, but here they are a win at Jerome in the semis, a win at twin falls in the championship and the road warriors, Minico going to state. Yeah. You know, it's funny, the kind of the ebbs and flows of this conference this year, because, um, at the beginning of the year, it was supposed to be twin and Minico, Minico and twin. I mean, and then it was everybody else. And the way that this conference shook out was just incredible with the amount of, of parody. I mean, from top to bottom, you know, you would play late in the season and, and this is no joke. I mean, you would, you'd win a conference game. You would be the one or two seed at that moment. But if you lost that conference game, you would fall all the way to the sixth seed. So it was just, you didn't know where you stood until the dust cleared and the schedule was finished. But it's funny how it turned out. Twin and Minico, the the preseason favorites, are the ones that ended up in the championship game. And uh, Minico, with their style of defense, and the way they just play basketball is so different. You know, they they don't have that superstar. Brevin is the guy that kind of drives the bus for them, but it's not about the superstar or shooting or scoring, they junk it up and muck it up and physical you up. And they play a brand of basketball that if you're not used to, it's going to give you some problems. And the thing about Minico going to state is they may have a really good chance to represent well, just because defense travels, you know, you're going to get teams that are going to miss shots. And Minico has a lot to do with other teams missing shots because they are so physical. They do not allow points in the paint period. And so you better be shooting the basketball well. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do at State. And I don't know what they're going to go in as, maybe a four? Uh, we'll so find. right so right now our bracketology, that's a good reminder. We do we do our daily boys basketball bracketology where I go in and update all the who's officially clinched, what are the matchups, what are the projections. Right now, Minico projected to be a six seed. Twin Twin okay. Falls, if they got there, would be a five seed. Twin actually had a better max preps 
raining yeah. than Minico this year. Yeah, see, and see, and here's here's the problem. Yeah, right. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> okay, I've started. So here's the deal. You know, how how is that even possible? Because the problem is it, it takes into consideration regular season only. You know, it doesn't consider it doesn't take into consideration the district tournaments. And you can get a team that just lost their mojo in the district tournament. We saw it at the 5A girls with Thunder Ridge, you know, undefeated all season, lose twice in the district tournament, had a lot of stuff going on, and they were fading fast, yet they came in at a number two. And anybody at that tournament could have told you, no, that is not a number two right now. Um, but based on the regular season, yeah, why not? Same thing here. All it would take is to, number one, if you're not going to include the postseason, then have a little bit of a human interaction with it. So you can say, okay, now hold on. Minico just beat Twin. Their style of basketball is really physical, da-da-da, that trial, whatever it is. And I think you could maybe adjust some of these things a little bit better. That's not a knock against Twin, but Minico's a district champ. Right. To, to me, the solution is simple. And you tell me if I'm way off on this, but the very first year that they did the max preps rankings for football. So not this past season, but two years ago, class four, a specifically said in football, our five district champions are automatically going to be the top five seeds. Now we'll seed them based on their max preps ranking, but the five district champs automatically get the top five seeds and that rewards then your district champs. And then from there, we'll fill in the rest on max preps. Could could we not do that where we just take the five district champions and seed them one through five based on max preps? And then if you got a second bid from your district, you're automatically six, seven, and eight. And if you're lamenting, oh, but we were really two in the regular season, well, too bad. You should have won districts. Yeah. No, I mean, I, th I think you definitely could because I think, you know, there's a lot to be said about how a team finishes coming into the state tournament. You know, you, you want a team that's hot. You want a team that's playing well, not a team that just survived and got into a play-in game when they should have won the whole thing anyway, or whatever the case is. That says a lot about a team coming in because it it's so difficult just to hit a reset button. And coaches try to do it all the time. I mean, it's the, the old cliche, guys, we're zero and zero now. We're, forget about the regular season. Forget we just lost in the district championship game and we were undefeated up until that, but whatever. It is so hard mentally to just hit reset and go, yeah, forget it. I'm not going to think about that loss or whatever the turmoil and strife and struggle is going on with my team right now. It's hard to just reset everything after you just had a long, grueling two and a half months of basketball. So, yeah, no, I think there's ways to make it better. Definitely better than what we had, but yes. I, I, I think it still needs to be worked on and discussed to, to make it better. Now, whether or not I'm just causing an issue, I don't know, but, but, I, but I saw it so bad at the 5A girls tournament this year when, and not to jump way off topic, but Boise comes in as a number four and they were not a number four. Anybody could have told you that. They were a 1B right behind Coeur d'Alene. And if you need any proof of that, go back and listen to the double overtime thriller instant classic that we called on Idaho Sports between Coeur d'Alene and Boise. And then championship game was a 40-point blowout. That's what happens yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah. um, I know. How, how, how bad do I want to rock this boat right now? So I, I just think that we can continue to explore ways to make it even better we're on the right track yes okay i'm not totally bagging the system we're on the right track let's be open to discussion on how to even make it better yeah i know i've heard i've heard some boise area coaches talk about you know why can't we just get on the phone and 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 seat it you know that's what they do for tennis it's what they do for wrestling right yeah. they get on the phone and talk it over and seat it um so i don't know there, there is though and it, it'll be discussed i think in april at the IHSAA's uh, April meeting, and we will wait and see what happens there. But okay, back to this district yeah, bracket. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, 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 it's all right. It's all right. We do this sometimes. We kind of veer off, but it's always for good reasons. Uh, so, so Minico wins 49 41 over Twin. JT Garza, 19 points for the Spartans last night. Mm -hmm. Riker Stimson had 17. Notice how neither one of those guys is named Brevin Trankel. So, if both of those guys can keep doing that, and then Brevin just 
chips in and is the distributor floor leader that he is. Yeah, I don't know. Minico could be uh, could be a tricky opponent at state, certainly. Now well, they could. They could. And I think the big thing for Minico is Brevin cannot be their top scorer. Right. I, mean, I think they're better without him scoring as much because that supporting cast will stand around and watch him. And then next thing you know, there's no fluidity and continuity. And But when he is just a general, like you said, and distributing, everybody around him gets better because they do have some pieces and they're always going to play defense. So, but yeah, interesting. Yeah. So now it comes down to Friday night at twin 6 PM showdown, Jerome and twin falls for the second bid to state Scott. How do you see this game shaking out? Whew. You know, I, these two teams are about as even as you can get, they split during the regular season. Um, and we won over there. They won over here. We, for some reason, we play better on the road as well. It seems like, but I mean, I think the matchup is 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 tight. You know, Twins got those three scorers that can just light it up at any time. And so, if they get going, then they can make a long night for anybody. Um, but again, here comes two teams that know each other really well, and you can bet that it's going to be a tight tight game. And I wouldn't be surprised one way or the other how it goes. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting mix in Prusel, especially have been playing really well for Twin down the stretch here. I think an important guy for Jerome is going to be likely because he's got some size at least. And if he can get going a little bit, mm-hmm. another another big piece for Jerome. But Yeah, it, yeah, it's the, the thing about Jerome is they just have got like all these different role players and not the superstar, right? Because they're, their superstar is out with a knee injury. Right. And hasn't played all year. So they're trying to figure out how to get it done with, with really one guy having any experience at all. You know, um, if you would have told Coach Messick or anybody at Jerome that you would have won 15 games this year and be playing in a game to go to state, they would have thought you were crazy at the beginning of the season. So they're, they have overachieved. And hopefully they're not just happy with that, which I know they're not, but they're not supposed to be where they're at. So, yep. But it's going to be a good game. I'm excited for it. Yeah, we'll see how it shakes. Yep, shakes out Friday night. Um, the 3A District 4 championship was last night as well. Uh, yeah. Buell, the two seed, wins districts there, 58-52 over Kimberly. Kimberly was the one seed, and, and Buell got him in the in the undefeated semifinal last week, 51-50, and then Buell wins the outright championship. Now, if Kimberly had won that, it would have forced the, the winner-take-all, if necessary, game on Thursday night. And I guess my point here, Scott, is – if both teams were going to advance to state anyways, right? Buell and Kimberly, both that, that district gets two bids this year, and they're already locked in to their max preps rankings based on the regular season. Well, why play the game? What's the point? Uh, right, because it's not seeding anymore. Yeah, it's, it doesn't have any impact on anything. They're both going to state. And the only reason I bring this up is because uh, there was a really tragic situation that happened uh about 10 days ago over in the treasure Valley where you had Greenleaf friends Academy, a one, a D one school playing in their district championship game. And I'm sure most of our listeners at least know a little bit about this story, but maybe not. Um, they're coached by a husband and wife duo, Jim and Loma Biddick. Loma is the head volleyball coach. And then she's an assistant girls basketball coach. And her husband, Jim is the head coach. They were on their way to the school to like get the bus ready to go to Columbia High School for the championship, and they were hit by a driver. I don't know if he ran a stop sign or something. It wasn't their fault, but uh, neither one was wearing their seatbelt. And Loma, you know, passes away. Jim is still in the hospital because of very you know severe injuries, and this is like during the third place game at districts, this is all kind of like trickling into the arena. And so basically they get to together with Liberty charter, the other school and they go, Hey, look, we're both going to state. Like what's the point of playing this game? Let's just call it a no contest and let's both go to state. And that's what they ended up doing. And it was the right thing. So, so obviously we don't hope that situation ever repeats itself again, but it does bring up a question of, what if somebody got hurt in one of these games? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a meaningless game, essentially. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're playing for your district championship, and that's all you're playing for. Now, that I don't mean to make light of that, um, but it, there's bigger bigger prizes awaiting. 
you know, and it, it does raise a good question because back in the day where we had the other system um, and there was two teams going, it really, because you had the, like you would have the ping pong balls, 4A would play 3C and whatever, whatever, whatever. And we had teams that would go into these types of games and throw them yeah. and lose on purpose just so they had a better side of the bracket because they knew how the bracket was shaping up. Like, well, I don't want to go up there and play that team. I think we're going to lose this one. And, and I remember coaching, you know, girls varsity one time and we had a team come down and play us for a seeding game and they absolutely tanked the game on purpose because they wanted that particular side of the bracket. So, but yeah, no, it does raise a good question. And the, you know, the other question too, not taking anything away from Buell and Kimberly, but you're, you're looking at a conference here that didn't have a team with a winning record, you know, and people are, are going to talk about that one as well. Um, and especially when you look at um, Marsh Valley and Teton that are going to have to play each other tonight, one of them is going to have their season come to an end. And you're talking about the number two ranked and the number three ranked team in 3A, both with uh, 18 wins and 19 wins, you know, and unfortunately these things happen. Yeah. And that's, you know, I've, I've talked about this on my East Idaho prep cast about uh, why don't they just combine? Why don't district five and six just combine? They're two separate three team leagues. Why wouldn't they just make a six team league? Because then you're going to get, you know, probably better representation at state since it's a bigger conference, but in the process of, well, we want to protect for our own interests. Well, you've now lost basically, you know, a really good team is going to be sitting at home because of that. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. And I don't know if it's, they've got enough animosity between district five and six. They just don't want to do it. I have no idea. Maybe they, they all, they all end up playing each other anyways in like non-conference. Yeah. So, I mean, why not just make it anyways? That's another topic for another yeah, day. I know we, we are like 80 kids. We're just bouncing <laughs> on. Do you want to ride bikes, Brandon? Let's go. Yeah. Right. Okay. So anyways, uh, Buell and Kimberly are in, they are going to be the, the seven and eight seeds at the three, a state tournament. Uh, like you mentioned, Scott, yep. uh, sub 500 records. Okay. Let's talk about two a, this was settled pretty early last yeah. Wednesday. In fact, I believe the Declo Hornets were the first team to officially clinch a spot at state anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, they are taking on Wendell in this best of three game championship series. Wendell got the one seed. They both uh, tied in the regular season, right? They both beat each other. Wendell got the one seed on the tiebreaker. Declo comes in and wins the first game in Wendell in overtime, 55 to 51. They played really well down the stretch. And I think at that point, Declo just had all the momentum. The series then got to shift to Declo. They end up winning by 10 over Wendell. And so now it's Declo advancing to state. And Wendell, this team we we were pretty high on, yeah. you know, kind of just ran out of steam at the end of the season. Yeah, they did. And, you know, those four games that they played against each other, they played three extra sessions. Uh, the one in the district tournament and then the uh, two overtime thriller that Wendell won uh, late in the season. So th these two teams were just even all year long. And it just became who was playing the hottest basketball at the time. And, and you're right. W Wendell faded just, just enough and Declo took advantage of it. So congratulations to them. Yep. Congratulations to Declo. It looks like at the two A state tournament, Declo is probably going to be that eight seed. Um, overall, but the good news is, is that to me, the two A is the most wide open. You know, Melba's twenty three and zero, but they've been pushed this year. So, um, you know, we will wait and see there. One A D one, the championship game was on Tuesday night at uh, CSI. You had one versus two, Castleford and Carey. Carey gets a very tight win, fifty three to fifty one. So, I think for like Dick Simpson's been coaching Carey now for like. 30 years and i think like 27 of the 30 years he's taken carry to state you know it's something like that the numbers might be a little bit off but it's something like you know 85 percent of the time he's got carry at state and guess what he did it again yeah and even though stepping up a division because they were 182 for for the longest time right right and uh you know carry scores on a on a last second coast to coast drive by carson perks you know who else and uh you know the media interviewed him afterwards and he was he was like, as soon as I, I got that ball, I, I wasn't going to give it up. 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to the rim. And it was a tie game at the time. So he knew that he wanted to be the guy and it wasn't a selfish thing. It was more like, Hey, I know I can do this. And if I get to the rim, I know I can score it or I'll get fouled. And I know I can make a free throw. So he went all the way coast to coast, got the bucket and Kerry got the win. Now that sets up a really interesting matchup tonight for that second spot at state. And that's the game that I'm getting ready for tonight uh, at seven o'clock between uh, Valley, the number six seed and Castleford, the number one seed. And don't look at six and one, because I tell you what, Valley is playing some really good basketball right now. Yes. And this backside of the brat, we talked about how there was like a, a four-way tie, right? For sixth through third place in this district. And that bore out. I mean, look at, Look at what we had in the in the third fourth. We had a five and a six playing Lighthouse Christian and Valley. Valley mm-hmm. wins that game 54 to 48. And now you're talking about Castle Ford had a really nice regular season, Scott. When you look at the, the conference standings, they were the best team. They were the number one overall seed. Castle Ford went seven and one in league. Their lone loss came to checks notes. Yep. That Valley. Yes. Yep. There Uh-oh. it is right there. Got it right there. Um, 56 to 40. And it was a big win yeah. for Valley. You know, so I, you look at this and the thing that intrigues me the most is the mental side of things. Just because you've got Valley who's hot. They're not, they're, they're playing way better than a six. You know, I was surprised they actually took down Lighthouse because I had seen Lighthouse play a couple of times and, you know, when they beat Murtaugh, I mean, it was dominating. Um, Yamada um, just had him rolling. If you haven't seen that kid play and he's playing well, he's, he's fun, fun to watch. Yeah. So I'm thinking, how is Valley going to control him? And I'll be danged if they, they didn't get it done. And so that just goes to show that Brian Hardy has got that Valley Viking squad playing super well. So the, the mental side of it is you've got Valley coming in, rolling right now. You've got Castleford coming off of a loss and the only conference loss they have is to Valley. So, you know, those things are rattling around up there. How are they going to come into tonight? Uh, I'm interested to see, and I'll be there courtside. Yeah. It's going to be a great battle for sure. Um, yeah. And you'll remember, I think I mentioned it on this prep cast a couple of weeks ago, you know, talking to some Lapway fans up North, you know, when you look at one, a D one basketball in general, Lapway is the big juggernaut. And Lapway fans kind of told me the one team that they have been watching all year and think could give them a good challenge is Valley. That's the team that Lapway has kind of been talking about and circling. So crazy because I mean, I don't know how Valley got on their radar. You know, they're not even ranked in the media poll or the latest coaches poll. Castle Ford's the number five team, you know, but this conference has really been quite competitive. Um, but yeah, I'm really interested to, to know how Valley got on Lapway's radar because there's not many teams that do, you know, including many 5A teams that have taken a shellacking yeah. by Lapway. So yeah, well, we'll see, we'll see if Valley gets that shot or not. Man, that'll be a fun game tonight for sure. And then finally at the 1A D2 tournament, we, we talked about this all year, Camas County, Richfield, two top five teams, only one team gets to go. You know, I think we kind of forgot about Dietrich a little bit as well. Dietrich also a very good team where they have pushed Richfield a couple of times. You know, that first round matchup between Richfield and Dietrich uh, ended up being a six point win for Richfield, 74 to 68. Um, and then you had the undefeated semifinal between Camas County and Richfield. That was a six point win for the Mushers. And then basically in the third place game Tuesday night, Dietrich again pushes Richfield. Richfield again wins by six, this time in overtime, 82 to 76. So I guess this tournament is brought to you by the number six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is because, I mean, you, you did forget a little bit about Dietrich. They're the ones that don't have the winning record in the conference, and it's all been about Camus and Richfield. I mean, Camus at 15 and five and, and Richfield at 19 and four. I mean, those two have been the dominant ones, and Dietrich pushes uh, that Richfield team, we'll see if it kind of got their attention a little bit, um, but they're going to go up against Camus again. And, you know, this is a, this is a pretty good rivalry here because they have played um, three times this season and they were all close. You know, the first one Richfield won 
57-52, five-point win there. Uh, Camus got the next one, a five-point win, 44-39. And then in the tournament, it was a six-point Camus win, 52-46. So, I mean, these games between these two teams are as good as it gets. And the sad part about it is only one team gets to go to state. And, and I think that either one of them, if they both went, they both could make some noise. Yeah, and they play tonight, Thursday night at Gooding. Now, if Ridgefield wins, they, they got to beat Camus twice. That's the hard part. Camus is the team that has the onus of a little bit of a built-in advantage. And if they were to force that winner-take-all game, that would be Saturday night, 7 o'clock at Gooding. And, boy, get your popcorn ready for that. Yeah. That, would be, oh, that would be that would be must-see TV right there because <laughs> – and especially if this one uh, tonight – goes down to the wire final seconds or minute like it always does and then they get that fifth game in oh man yeah and there's nothing else going on get your butt over to gooding and watch some some fun 1a d2 basketball yeah pretty epic for sure so all right that's our tour through the boys basketball district landscape next week scott here on the magic valley prep cast we will have our uh, traditional boys basketball state tournament preview show we'll do that live Probably next Tuesday night on IdahoSports.com's YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Twitter account. We'll break yep. down all six classifications with the IdahoSports.com broadcasters, and then I will take that uh, show and put it into the podcast feed here for the Magic Valley PrepCast. Yep. So, where, where are you at for Boy State? I'm 5A. You and I are flip-flopping. So we I, are flip-flopping. I'm going to uh, 4A. Yep. So, so you'll be calling the 5A boys. I'll be calling the 4A boys. Be a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, good luck to all of the Magic Valley teams competing at State Wrestling this weekend and uh, to the final few boys basketball teams that are trying to make their way to State as well. All right, I know you got to go. You got to go start warming up for your performance tonight, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I got to go exercise the golden tones, make sure there's batteries in the mic, get the mop bucket ready for any of those incidental spills as I'm talking through the mic, mopping a floor, doing whatever it is that I'm doing at the same time. The grand host never rests. Athletic director by day, janitor by night, Scott Burton. So appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Thanks everybody for tuning into the magic Valley prep cast. We'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.